welcome to the Heart Centered Entrepreneur Series. My name is Jody Maley, and I've been an entrepreneur and business owner for over 27 years now. Thanks for joining the podcast, and I can't wait to share with you tips and ideas on how to grow your heart centered entrepreneur business. As a personality dimensions coach, I help entrepreneurs discover who they are at their core so they can have real and authentic sales conversations with their ideal clients. We all started or joined a business so that we can make an income on our terms. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneur journey or have been in sales for a while, the key to any business is sales and nurturing the sales relationship. So I invite you to sit back, relax, maybe even have your favorite drink and take some notes as we have fun delving in to learn more from the top 1-2% to 2 income earners who are making such a difference and impact for themselves and their beautiful teams. Their tips and ideas will uplift and inspire you in a heart-centered, authentic way to help lift you up, move you forwards towards your perfect dream and goal. So stay tuned to the end of each podcast as I will share a little gift from me that I know will get you inspired in your beautiful business. Thank you for joining us today. And I have a special friend here, Jane, who we've actually known each other. Hmm. I'm going to say it's at least two or three, two or three years now that we crossed path. I can't even remember because it was such one of those, it was one of those connections that I'm like, this is my person. I love this girl. We are so much alike. And then as we got going and talking more, Jane is a sales expert. So this is why I brought her in here to speak with you. And I'll let her introduce herself in a little bit. But what really connected me with Jane is that we we have such a similar style of sales training and stuff. Of, and our niche is kind of different. Sort of the same, but a little bit different, where um, Jane has taught high-end ticket sales and how to incorporate that into your business. And she has a team of development people who actually work with and develop the high-ticket sales. So a little bit different than me. And But you know what? The same concepts, the same things, the same fears that people have when it comes to salesy and being pitchy versus being heart-centered are all the same things. And that's why I brought Jane in to speak with us today. So Jane, introduce yourself and yeah, where you're from and all that good yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, you, where am I from? You always know that's that's the the first best question, right? I always have to, let me look outside and see where am I? Oh, this is where I am today because I travel so so much by choice. But yes, Jody, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about the topic of selling and sales because I know you are also just as passionate as I am about that. So officially, I am Jane Gary. I am known as the sales strategist for the non-sales person. And I work with committed, passionate business owners who are ready to stop the stress and get to yes by mastering the next level of the sales conversation. And that's so you can stop hearing so much, hmm, I'd love to work with you, but I can't afford it. Or I'll have to think about it and start hearing more. Sounds great. How do we get started? So you serve more people, make more money, and have more fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my verbal communication. Mm-hmm. We like it. <laughs> All right. And I know that you have a few things that you're going to talk with us about today. And you're also going to have an offer for people to get to know you a little bit better. And we will get to that. Um, what I'd like to ask you, though, is I know that you've been doing this for a number of years. And what really started this for you years ago? I love this question. So if we go back to the beginning, back to the dawn of time when I decided I wanted to be a salesperson, it it became 
it became obvious to me that I wanted to sell for a living when I was in high school. And that's because my father was a salesperson. Now he at that time owned a owned a business. Actually, no, he was the vice president of a very large corporation here in Cincinnati and, and the uh, of the sales division. And he eventually bought his own business. But when I was in high school, what I distinctly remember is he would come home every night in this great mood. And my my family sat down to get together for dinner every night at 6 p.m. So dad was always home. That was the the arrangement he had made with my mother. We were going to have dinner together as a family and he could do whatever he wanted with his career and work as hard as he wanted. So every night he would come home and we would eat dinner together as a family. And he would literally come in the door whistling super happy. I mean, he's that kind of guy anyway, but he just was always in a great mood. And it was about this time where I started noticing in school, at high school, that my friends would come into school and they'd go, man, my mom was in a rotten mood last night because she just can't stand that job. Or she'd say, I had to leave the house because my dad was just getting so cranky because something happened at work and he was really upset. And I'm sure that my fa- I know that my father had days at work that were not the best day ever, but he something just seemed like he really enjoyed what he was doing. So one night I asked him at the dinner table, dad, you know what? You seem like you always come home in these really great moods. And it's, I think because of your job, because I'm hearing so many things from my friends that their parents really don't enjoy their jobs that much. So what's up? And he said, I love my job. Why wouldn't I love my job? And I knew he was a salesperson because he, he always talked about his love for selling, the selling process, the the art of the sale. I mean, he just would talk about it like it was a like it was a sport that he was passionate about, and he was he also loved sports. But so back to why are you so happy when you come home every night from work? It seems like you like your job. And he said, I, I love my job. Why wouldn't I love my job? And I said, Well, tell me why you love your job. And he said, Well, number one, I get to help a lot of people make decisions that actually very profoundly affect their lives in positive ways. Number two, I get to make as much money as I want to. No one's telling me that, oh, I'm capped at a certain level of income and it doesn't matter how hard I work. I'm just really never going to make any more money than the standard percentage rise for inflation. And number three, it's just fun. It's fun. And I get to, it's a fun kind of little competition with myself. How many people can I go out and meet today? How many people can I serve today? How many people can I get to enroll them into the service that he was selling because he knew that it would be greatly beneficial to them? So in my 16-year-old brain, what I processed was you get to hang out and talk to really cool people and learn all about different different jobs and different companies and what they do and what those people do because ultimately people are companies and he was going into companies number two loving the money thing that sounds really good (laughs) and number three it just sounds it just sounds fun now he also had a lot of those perks where they would go to lunches and they would go to ball games and they would that that type of thing so it was it looked very yeah so (laughs) i thought you know what maybe being a salesperson is what i want to do that sounds like a really cool job and that is, in fact, exactly what happened. My first job, I said, I, I'm, I'm going to be a salesperson. That's what I want to do. And I went to the local shoe store in the mall and I got a job there and I loved it. And I loved it for exactly the reasons that dad said. I was meeting all of these really interesting people that would come into the shoe store every day. I, w- I had a base plus commission. So while all my other friends were over at the fast food restaurants making a flat dollar per hour, I was making that plus 
commission. So at the time, it was three times the amount of money that my friends were making, which was really fun. And then I was able to go treat them when we would go out to dinner. And then it, it absolutely was was a fun little game for me. How 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 can I help this person? How can I, you know, the woman that's coming in for shoes for the prom, you know, how how do I turn that into a really interesting and fun exchange? And so that that's really how it it started. My love of sales, my love of selling, and um and also my love of realizing I cannot put all of my commission money back into the thing that I'm actually selling, which was at the time <laughs> I think I got most of my money. <laughs> I love that. And again, you know what, when I'm talking to people who are, you know, um, really developed in who they are and what they love to do the most and stuff, and even how it ties to how our childhood was so similar. Like one of my first jobs when I was little was like, you know, as a teen was like babysitting and stuff. And I remember my dad, he was my influencer too. He was a he was a salesperson in our house. He was actually a teacher, but he always had a side hustle. And um, I remember him saying to me, even before I go out to babysit, and remember, you know, if you want to be, if you want to get an, the next babysitting job with these people, then you know, make yourself stand out, like clean the house, do a little bit of dishes, like make yourself a little bit above the rest. And so that's what I would do. And then I actually had so many people coming to me for babysitting jobs. And then I was kind of getting a little bit cocky <laughs> where I was like, maybe I want to do that one. Maybe I don't and, and stuff. And then like, I was like 13, 14 at the time. And so before you could really get a job job, right? Where you have to have like your SIN number and stuff. And so I thought, well, what what was happening was I was getting overbooked. So then I started a babysitting co-op. <laughs> so I actually then had my friends come to me and I would have X amount of people. I would be like, I can't do it that night, but I have some, some girls that I'm working with and they can do it. And then, and then I would say to them, and you know what, just give me like five bucks out of whatever of that night, because I'm booking you for it. And so I didn't even know it back then that I was actually creating my own <laughs> networking model where I could just then be organizing the babysitting co-op it was pretty funny and my dad was just like I can't even go there <laughs> like you do you because I took I took you know what I learned I taught it and then I made money from teaching that which is still the essence of what I love to do today so I know you're going to share some strategies with us and the the first thing you're going to share with us is the three myths of selling so what are the three myths of selling? I do not. Yeah, know. So I, I came up with these years and years and years ago. So this is my, my company show stopping sales. I'm in my thir 13th. Yes. I'm in my 13th year of it. And it, it, almost right when I started, I realized very quickly that people have a fear of selling. Even if you like it, there's still some hesitation there. Even if you love it, sometimes there are still stories that happen in your head that make you feel like, I'm going to be sleazy. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to, here we go with all the stereotypes of the really bad salespeople, the plaid suit, and the bad toupee and the today and today only and not for everybody, but let me go ask my boss. Running after you in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I came up with the three myths of selling, which was really just a way of breaking down what selling is and what selling isn't. So I want to preface this by saying my personal belief of what selling is, is that it's a noble profession. 
And that is because I really believe that sales conversations change the world. And it sounds a bit lofty, but the reason why I believe sales changes, sale conversations change the world is because you change the world one person at a time. And that is really what happens in a sales conversation. I always tell my clients, your job isn't to close. Your job is to facilitate a conversation that's going to allow this person to get to their truth. Because when any of us speak the truth, we hear it. And when we hear it, we feel it. And we feel it, we own our truth. And it's in the moment of ownership of the truth that any of us actually decide to do something. Now, in a sales conversation, sometimes that something is, this isn't for me, thank you so much. And that's okay. Sometimes in the sales conversation, they go, you know what? I'm unwilling to live like this anymore. I am ready to do the thing that I need to do. I'm ready to step up and step out on faith that this can be done. And I think you're the person to go on this journey with me. So in order to be able to have that kind of conversation, you have to understand three fundamental things. So here, here's where the myths come in. Myth number one is you always have to be closing. Mm. Now, conceptually, yes. And so here's what I say to that. If we define closing as a conversation where at the end of the conversation, somebody has realized as a result of a new truth being brought forward in their heart and their mind, they would like to invest in themselves through you and work with you, then yes, that needs to happen. Because if your business is not making money, you have an outreach. Outreaches are great unless that's not really what you want to have and you want a business that's profitable. So we have to define closing, but I like to do it in a way so that you understand generating revenue is the function of the business. Closing, that's what I want everybody to back up off of a little bit because now it turns into this, this person is my paycheck and people aren't paychecks. So we do not treat them that way. So the myth of you always have to be closing, not true. Here's the workaround of that is you always have to be opening. And when you open a conversation and a safe space and a dialogue that, again, allows that person to express themselves, that allows that person to share with you what has happened, what they're experiencing currently and what they would like to experience instead, that is a whole different conversation than I have this thing and I'm going to try to convince you to buy it. That is what most people perceive as closing. It's me making sure at the end of the conversation, I have your credit card and, you know, wait, well, let me get my bell. I win because I'm closed. And that is what makes people crazy. It's what makes people uh, stressed out unnecessarily. It just doesn't have to happen. So myth number one is always be closing. And I want everybody to just re rewrite that script a little bit. And now myth or the truth number one is always be opening. I love it. So true. Yeah. yeah. And, and be opening to where the conversation leads. Be open to if, like you said, if this is for them or not for them. Right. Like it. Yeah. Totally, totally different than I have this thing and I'm going to figure out how I can make you buy it. So people right. smell that energy a, a mile off. I know I have as a customer. You'll get into a, I'll get into a sales conversation and, and, I'm always a customer, but I can't help as a sales trainer and expert go in there and kind of listen to it with a little bit of that ear. And there are there are times where I just I've stopped people in the middle of the conversation and I would say, I'm trying to connect with you. You're asking me some personal questions that are good questions and I'm giving you answers and you're not hearing them. You're not acknowledging me. I don't feel that you're connected to me. What I hear you doing is going, uh-huh. And moving on to the next question, because you're trying to get through a script. 
And so I'm very anti scripts. I think giving people structure is is really important. And certainly when you start out in sales, some scripting, it's it's helpful, but get rid of that stuff as soon as possible because it's it's really about having a connected conversation with another human being. I agree. I agree. And I love your phrase in there that it's not scripts, it's bringing a bit of structure, which, yeah, that's very, very key. So what's yeah. myth number two? So myth number two is that you have to be really good at explaining to people what it is that you do. (laughs) Total myth. Total myth, by the way. I know this and you know this. (laughs) Yeah, it gets everybody all tangled up. So people, when, when they, let's say, go to make the offer, for lack of a better term, but when people suggest that, if I were to suggest that you work with me, if I am still believing that I have to be really good at explaining to you what I do, or if you just understand what the deliverables are, it's going to be okay. Things start going sideways. Nobody cares how many times per month you meet and the recordings and the downloads, um, the blueprint, great, but they're not really buying a blueprint. What they're buying is a sense of of self-worth. What they're investing in is the ability to repair their relationships. So myth number two is that you have to get really good at explaining to people what it is that you do. Here's your workaround. Here's the truth. You have to be really good at explaining to people what will happen for them as a result of working with you. They will have improved relationships. They will feel happy and healthy and finally able to go do the things that they want to do. They will be able to support the lifestyle that they envision that they want for themselves and their loved ones. Those have nothing to do with explaining to them the process or the deliverables. So you want to get really good at explaining to people what will happen for them as a result of working with you, not how you're going to get there. I like it. Again, very, very clear and very, very true. So now what's the myth number three that people think about sales that you have a a myth buster for us? Now, myth number three is that everybody gets an offer. So myth number one is always be closing. And myth number three is everybody gets an offer. And I put those like that as bookends because when you release those two beliefs, your stress level is going to decrease significantly. And you're not going to have these, these sales conversations, these enrollment conversations where your prospects are feeling you know, would she just back up? <laughs> and why is she trying to sell me? Why is she being so hardcore about this? It just doesn't feel good. So myth number three is that everybody gets an offer. Here's the truth of that. No, they do not. You do not want to work with everybody. The criteria is, are they a good person? And are they a good fit? Now, what I mean by good person is, would they make a good client? I don't mean, are they inherently good or evil? That's not, you know, that's, that's not our, that's not our job to figure out in a sales conversation. Um, although I could wax poetic on that for a long time, but <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go down some rabbit holes there. So you, you don't want to work with people that you feel are dangerous or uh, you're dangerous to society or it's going to be a problem for you. No, that is not what I mean there either. So a good fit, what I mean by a good fit is, are they going to be a good client for you? Your standards and your desire of in which the way that you work has to match your clients. So if you're a real stickler for people showing up on time and this person kind of seems to have a lackadaisical, oh, I'm sorry, I'm 10 minutes late, but woo, and then they go off into some story taking up even more time, you, you want to you be aware of that. If what's really important to you is working with people who say, I did these things and it 
didn't work out, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to do it and don't stay in victim mode. Then, then you can keep moving forward. So you need to determine what your criteria are for who you would deem a good fit. Do they have the characteristic traits? Do they have the temperament? Do they have the personality? Are they able to articulate to you what it is that they are currently experiencing and what it is that they want in a way that makes you think I would be more than happy to spend some time with this person every week. They have a problem that I know that I can solve. And I think we've got some synergy there. That's what I mean by a good person. And then a good fit is, do they have a problem that you can solve? So if you don't really have the best solution, or if you kind of know you have a solution, but you may not be the best person for it, you don't want to hang on to that. Just, just, just release it and refer them to somebody else. So you only want to work with a good person who is a good fit. That's how you start working with clients who love you and you will love back. Yeah, I like that. And so, and and everybody thinks like, oh, I have this one product or this one system or this one, you know, marketing thing that it can fit for everybody. And that's one thing that I always ask too, when I'm getting to know people and they're like, I'm like, well, who, who do you talk to? Who is a good fit for you? And they're like, everybody. I'm like, mm, no, not everybody is a good fit for you. And they're like, no, no. Like I saw a water system. Everybody drinks water. I'm like, yeah, but some people really aren't concerned with that. They don't want to change, you know? So so as you get into the conversation with them, they go, oh, maybe it's not everybody is a good fit. So I like that. And these are three workable ways that you can just take and kind of like, I like how you kind of shifted the language around too, for people to see it in a different way. Um, now, I know that you have some new things on the go and that we had talked about this previous and this is where I'm like, oh, I think you need to come in on my podcast and speak about this a little bit. So while you talk a little bit about what the pandemic has now opened up to your true love of helping and serving people and if this could be a fit for them and uh, the group you have going. Yes, I am so excited about this. I have been telling uh, my the people that, uh, you know, I have to hire my own coaches and mentors too. So I've been telling them, my friends, pretty much anybody who will listen to me because I'm so excited about it. But I see this is the work I was always born to do. So it just, it, it truly is. It sets my soul on fire. And what it, what it has really allowed me to do is combine all of the things that I love. I love selling. I love sales. I love teaching other people why selling is a noble profession. I know we got a sales party going on here. I deeply love that. I believe it truly serves humanity. And I could just continue to geek out on how amazing selling and sales is. So we have that. And the other thing that that I've been doing for years is, is independent location, location independence working. So I have an online business. It's a service-based business. And I'm in my 13th year of it. From day one, I was not just working out of my home office. And I also have a couple funny stories. I won't I won't share all of them. I've got more than a couple, but this is the same kind of thing. This stuff gets rooted in childhood. And so back to back to my family, we would take these two week long vacations, which to take two weeks at a time is kind of, that's a big deal kind of in the US. Uh, but that's what my dad wanted to do. And we would drive from Ohio to California. One year we went to Hawaii for three weeks. You know, it was it was those kind of travelings. Well, they were in the summer, 
usually, but we would sometimes take trips that were during the school year. So I figured out very quickly how to do my homework, how to be able to turn in my assignments and how to keep my work, which was really my schooling at the time going so that I didn't miss a beat. And it just has been this natural thing for me. I have always, always done it. And what I realized is I was, I started to post more about my travels about two years ago. I really started to post, I'm here and I'm doing this and talk to this client today in this location. And more and more people were starting on, on Facebook in particular, like, what are you doing? Why are you always on vacation? How can I, how can I have your job? You know? And I thought, well, wait a minute. So one of the posts I actually wrote was I am not on vacation all the time. I'm, I'm working. For I, I confess I've been one of those people where I'm like, where are you now? What are you doing? Where are you yeah. going? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have some giant trust fund and I'm just merrily tripping and tr- trotting about the globe and tripping around doing whatever. I am working. My business just, I just go wherever I want to go. And then I do my business while I'm there or en route there. And it, to me, there's no other way to live. So to give you an example, last week, now last week I didn't go anywhere internationally. I just was not feeling it because of the leftover of the pandemic. But I was on the road for 30 weeks out of the year. I went to, uh, I'd have to count them up, I don't know, eight, nine different states, something like that. I was on the beach in Florida. I was on the beach in in, um, New Jersey. I was on the beach in New York. I, I was plenty of beaches, sunrise, sunsets all over, up and down the eastern seaboard, which is mainly where I was traveling last year. I met all these new people. I went to all these different new restaurants and I had amazing adventures and it was just, it was really a lot of fun. Normally I internationally travel a lot and I'm back to doing that this year. But one other quick example about what really is possible is in 2019, and I'm I'm so glad I did this because this is right before we all got shut down. But at the end of 2019, I spent six weeks in Australia and New Zealand. I was working. I just took my business with me. Now I have plenty of free time, but I snorkeled off the Great Barrier Reef. I went to New Zealand. We held koalas. You know, we did all these really amazing things, and I didn't miss a beat. Or as I like to describe it, you do not need to sacrifice income to interesting locations. You can go do what you want to do and not have to worry about, well, is my business going to still be standing up when I get back? Yeah, because it's it's going with you. So I'm now what I'm doing is working with people so that they are able to combine their online services business with the adventure lifestyle of being able to go where you want to go when you want to go and stay for as long as you want. So I've got three points that I ta- I always teach in threes. I've got three points that I can talk to you about that. You want to hear those? I sure do. I know you quickly told them to me before we came in here and I'm like, I love them because money management mindset they're like a staple to anyone serving others, especially in sales capacity. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing I say is there's no adventure that's too big or too small. So nobody goes into self-employment and business ownership so you can work more hours for less money. And I got to tell you, I loved it when I had a corporate job. So I've never been bashed for corporate job. Nobody should be doing that. No, not at all. There are great companies doing great things. There's wonderful things about being an employee at a particular company. One of the things that most people, when they go into business ownership, do want to change is they want more freedom of time and they want more flexibility in their schedule. And then you certainly don't want to make less money than you were making when you were when you were somebody else's employee. So three things that you really need to be able to have a location independent business. Number one, you've got to have the money to be able to make that happen. 
So you need money coming in. It's revenue generation. Where are we now? Now we're back to selling. You need to be able to sell. There's a what I call a triple threat of sales in an online service business, which is you need to be able to sell with your words on paper, a copy conversion. You need to be able to sell in an enrollment conversation. And then you need to be able to sell in a one-to-many presentation. I like to refer to that as sell from the page, sell while engaged, sell from the stage. So if you can master and get some level of mastery of all three of those ways of selling, then if you have an online service-based business or product like a lot of the direct marketers do, where you're not having to do a lot of the product shipment yourself, you're, you're good to go. But you need a level of mastery in all three of those, or at least a couple of them very, very strongly, because that's what's going to generate your revenue. That's what's going to bring in your money. I love that. Say that again. So it was mastery of self from the page. The easiest way to think about it is self from the page, which is be able to, that's the ability to write copy that's going to convert. Okay. Sell while engaged. That's the ability to have an enrollment conversation. So selling in a one-to-one situation and then sell from the stage, which is the presentation one-to-many. So self from the page, sell while engaged, sell from the stage. Yeah, I love it. I'm I love these interviews because I'll tell you guys how much I learn. It's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So that's the first thing. It does take money to travel. So you're going to need extra money. And you can go as fancy as you want or not as fancy. And that's where I say no adventure is too big or too small. You get to decide what it is that you want to do. I have clients who just can't wait to do the RV life. I have clients who uh, are wanting to go to, to Europe for a couple months. It's everything in between. I'm, so whatever, pretty, I'm pretty bougie. So <laughs> whatever it is that you want to do, you do, you need a surplus to be able okay. to do that. So now let's talk about the management of the process. One of the things that I know has, has tripped up my clients because I've really been doing this work for years. It was just official uh, December of 2022 is when I launched, hey, I'm doing this now. But one of the things that has really tripped up my clients, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was working with them was this, this, this fear and this confusion about how, but how do I do that? And how do I do that meant two things to them. How do I leave my home office for longer than a couple days? So the, the time element of it, they just, they didn't understand how to make it work. And then the second one was, how do I enjoy myself? So for example, I was talking to a client just a couple of days ago and she said, I'm, I'm going over to Europe and I'm going to be sitting there and I don't want to be working. I want to be eating the pastries and I want to be taking the walks and I want to be sitting on the beach. And I said, you're going to have plenty of time to do all those things. And well, how, how, how are we going to make it happen? So then it was a deeper process, but really it's setting up your business so that your revenue is being generated You've got systems and processes in place so that doesn't fall apart. And there are some very specific things that have to happen if you want to stay out of your home office for more than just a couple days. So the management of the process is really understanding how to strategize your business and your travel life, how to create itineraries and how to move all the pieces around so that you are enjoying yourself as much as possible wherever you are. Your clients aren't feeling like, yeah, here she is out having fun. So I'm getting ignored and I can't get a hold of her when I need her. And and there's no interruption in your revenue. So management of your travel business life with your actual business is, is really important. And that I could see, especially if you are 
overseas and there's time differences in this and that. So I take it that that's what you kind of help people develop. Like you're going to be there. It's going to be this time zone. So you need to check in at these particular, like just setting a structure of knowing the time difference, knowing this, checking emails, responding back to them, having them in a timely manner. So really. Yeah, there's time zone translations. There are going to be cars and boats and planes and trains that aren't going to arrive or leave when you think they are your wi-fi is not going to even though you set it all up all of a sudden it's not going to work um it could be carnival out in the streets which you didn't know but now it's 7 p.m and in your world it's fine but not out in the streets so I, there are all these really fascinating things that happen when you when you travel and if if you don't know that they're coming and then you don't have a plan to work around it it can actually get really really stressful I took a picture. Um, it was a, I was in Florida again at the end of October, beginning of November, and they upgraded me to an ocean view suite, which is awesome. That's the other best thing about traveling. If you kind of stay in the same places, they'll they'll take care of you. So I'm in this beautiful ocean view suite, and it it was huge. It was actually two separate bedrooms. I, I don't. I really don't know why I got it, but anyway. <laughs> massive it was like 1500 square feet or something um and i'm looking out at the ocean and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and okay i just went for my walk out on the beach i just ate some lunch i'm really excited because now i'm going to teach a class so this is two hours out of my day that day that's all i did that day uh maybe an hour of follow-up with email so i'm kind of preparing myself get it get in get into the class mode i need to be able to deliver the goods and i realized that there's technically no desk in either one of these rooms. It was an older hotel and they just weren't set up for a business traveler. It was right on the beach. So it was set up for who wants to work when you're right on the beach. That's right. It's and a setup for a walkout. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So older hotel right on the beach, really not catering to the, to the working people. It's the people that are there to have a really good time and enjoy the beach. And I went, oh dear. And I only had about 30 minutes before it was go time. So I had to reconfigure furniture. I was able to pull a nightstand and put it right in front of the window so that I could still stare at the beach while I was teaching class, but it was too short. So I got my travel briefcase, which is pretty big. It's, it's, it's pretty depth, um, depth heavy, put it on top of the coffee table and then put my computer on top of that, my laptop on top of that. So it was the most hilarious looking setup from my side, because it's this coffee table with the suitcase on top of it with my laptop on top of it but I'm still looking at the ocean and of course my clients didn't know because they were just seeing me and everybody is used to seeing some kind of different background so they were going looks like a hotel where are you now but the reason for this story is those kinds of things will pop up so you have to have the appropriate gear to be able to take so in a pinch you're going to be able to handle your business you have to be able to understand how to quickly translate your time zones, your your Wi-Fi, hotel situations like that, it is always something. So the ability to improvise and be innovative with with a positive attitude is extremely important, which will bring me to point number three. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I have a child homesick today, so I'm trying to go. I'm muting in and off. That's okay. <laughs> so number three then um, so what were the first two again? Just so we, we are clear. You have to have the money. You have to have, the, have money. the money. You must have the management behind it. So you kind of manage the process of process. your business. Okay. And then what is the third, the third part of this of being able to travel and still earn while you're doing it, which I love. 
So this is this is not only good for the travel business lifestyle. This is this is truly a life hack, which is have the mind of a traveler, not a tourist. Have the mind of a traveler, not a tourist. In my several multiple decades, not give it away by age, although I don't really care. I'm 53. So in my 53 years of traveling with people, you can tell the travelers from the tourist. The travelers go, huh. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Oh, okay, the restaurant's closed. Okay. Um, yeah, the plane's not going to take off. Hmm, we just missed the boat. They just don't get rattled by it. The tourist mindset says, how dare they give me this hotel room? Do they not understand that I have, you know, they just get really rattled by stuff. And it becomes very unpleasant for them to experience where they are in the moment and it also becomes very unpleasant for anybody else that they are that they're with so when you have the mind of a traveler not a tourist the traveler says wrong or as i like to say things are going to go that i wasn't planning on things are going to be less than ideal this is really no wrong it's less than ideal or it's not what i what i planned uh, things are they're not going to start they're going to break down they're going to be late there there are a whole host of things that have happened i have never had a trip where something didn't happen Fortunately, I've never had anything truly catastrophic happen, but I have never had a trip that went off without a hitch and nothing was different than what I had going on in my head. It happens all the time. So when you have a mindset that says I can adapt, I can be flexible, I can be innovative, I'm not going to let this ruin my day, I'm not worried about it, um, I'm not going to get myself all worked up and stressed out, you just you have a better day, you have a better day, you have a better business, you have better relationships. So having the mind of a traveler is really being able to embrace that. It's a really great way to go through life, but it is imperative if you even want to think about living a life that is location independent, because I can guarantee you it is always going to be something. So you want to be okay with whatever it is that you're experiencing. Yeah, I love that. And there's so many people who, you know, living that lifestyle and being like you just said, uh, location independent it's on a it's on a dream and bucket list for a lot of people like a lot of people myself included like I want my husband to get out of his crappy mill job so that we can he can retire and we can be exactly like that living a lifestyle being independent of where our location is and like my dream and everybody has a different dream for what they want to do with that lifestyle too I'm I'm big about my my dog. I have, I have a dock diving champion dog. He's getting a little bit older. So I'm like, in the next couple of years, I'd like to, you know, get a younger, a new puppy, develop puppy. And my dream would be going around to like dock diving competitions yeah. and making yeah. and having an income while I'm doing it. And my friend Jane is the person who can you know, help me out when I'm ready to step into that, you know, I'm going to be calling Jane and going, Hey, I'm ready for the dream. I'm ready to be doing it now. What, how am I going to do this? Because even with that, it's got to be a bit of structure, knowing where I'm going, different locations. And I tell you, these, these people, by the way, into these dock diving competitions, they're crazy. And they are all over the United States. There's about four or five locations up here in Canada, but down in the States, they're everywhere. It's like you could have like a lifestyle just doing that. Yeah. It's so yeah, cool. That's what I think is so fascinating. It, it's really, and that's that's what I love about the work that I do is is yeah. whatever your dream is, it's most likely possible. 
you just have to understand how to put the pieces into place and then get the whole process working as a cohesive unit. Because when you're able to do that, then you really can go live the way that you want to do. And I've always found that fascinating with my clients. Some I'm, I'm international. I really love being out of the country just because I like exploring completely different lands. But like I said last year, I didn't go anywhere international. I just stayed in the good old US of A. But well, 30 weeks. Exactly. It was very it was very structured that, you know, nobody could go anywhere, which also made and I that's what I loved was seeing you in your different locations where you were in visiting with the different lakes and things like that. And it's like, where are you now? Where are you now? And that's cool too. So you can explore your own country as well. You you know, but I you love the international. That's my other goal too. Yeah. It's yeah, no, there's no adventure too big or small. I have, I have clients who want to go three towns over for the summer because that's where their kids are. Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen. I have clients who want to go halfway around the world for six months. Let's make it happen. I have RV kind of like the doctor, you know, we just want to, yeah. we want to, we want to do this. We don't want to leave the country. We don't want to get on an airplane. And I say, fantastic. Let's make that happen for you. So you, you just said something that made me remember one of the reasons why I am so passionate about this. And it's because life is short. I don't, it's, I don't come at it from a pessimistic viewpoint, but from a little kid, I always felt this sense of we're, we're here like that. We're here and gone. You know, that's it. We just don't, we don't have a lot of time here. So why would I not, why would you not want to get up every day and truly carpe diem, seize the day, make it, make it a great day. Not every day is a great day. Not every day is the best day ever. I'm not saying that, but it's, we have such little, we have such a little time. So to really be able to do the things that you love with the people that you love and leave what I call good fingerprints on other people's hearts. So that when you're no longer here, other people remember that you brought something to their life. Maybe it was one word, maybe it was one look, maybe it was one day or one trip, but it was something you made a contribution and you you took advantage of every single minute that you that you had here. So the last thing I kind of want to say when it, that has to do with travel is this. Travel is a state of mind. I have had plenty of moments in my life where I didn't have the time or I didn't have the money or I didn't have the inclination or there's there are family things that are going on. There are, you know, we 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 also live in a world that delivers some pretty rotten things to us at times and circumstances are beyond our control. But here's what I always thought. Travel is a state of mind. If I can't go to Paris this weekend, what I can do is go find a little French beach bistro. That's a 15 minute drive from my house. If I I can't go see the water wall wonders of the world, I happen to love waterfalls. There's actually a park that's about 30 minute drive from my house and it's got a magnificent waterfall. Just change up your situation, change up your surroundings, change up your circumstances, because when you do all of that, you actually change up your state of mind. And I think that is something that most of us were never really taught. And then what happens is you just kind of sit in this, this loop that can be challenging to get out of, and you're not doing it yourself any favors and you're not serving anybody else. So travel really is a state of mind. Just get out and do something. There are plenty of things to do for free. And if you want to pay money for them, there are plenty of things that you can do that that you know, have tickets or registration requirements or whatever. <laughs> There's a whole world out there. There's a whole world out there. I love it. And so we're going to end on that note today, because I think that that is a great way to end it, that the world can be what you make of it. And, you know, 
it doesn't matter what type of business you are in. If you are in a business, sales is an integral part of that. And I thank you so much for giving us the three myths that you can just change your mindset around a little bit and then sharing with us that you're really on a creative state to have people who want to travel and take their business along with them at integral steps of how they can do both. I love that. And we're going to leave a link here that you can actually get a little one-on-one time with Jane or kind of, I think is it now your show stopping sales um, uh, link that you're going to leave us. Is that to contact you or is it a little bit more of you? That's a gift. Yeah, yeah, this is it's a gift. gift. Okay. So it's it's a sales success party pack. So there are others in there. There's some fun things in there, but I talk about the three myths and I talk about the fundamentals of selling. So it's a great way to get get your mindset into a different place if you're a little bit newer to selling. It's also really great if you're advanced because at every level, I always say sales is like life. There's always a new level of mastery. So to hear things again, or to hear them in a different way, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Fun's a huge part of my brand. So if you like actually having your business, you'll enjoy this. Another reason why, when we got together and both of us, when we first met each other, a little story as we just wrap up here, but like, we were like literally finishing each other's conversations. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. That too. And this and that, because both of us are huge. Like we, we are all about lifting people up, the strategy behind it and to be having fun with everything. Like that is the two of us, by the way, to the core of who we are and what we sit. So thank you so much, Jane, for coming here. I'll let people know in they can contact you through the URL. And again, thank you so much for being here. You just made my day and I learned something new as well. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you. And everyone take care. Make it a magnificent day. Jody Maley here. Bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned a lot. Each one of my guests have a special and unique spot in my heart as they have shared what they love about their business and how they truly have grown in their entrepreneur journey. Thanks for sticking around to the end. And I would love to gift to you a fun and easy quiz that you can take right now that will help you assess how you feel about the sales process in your beautiful business. Building relationships, lifting each other up so we can all gain more in our lives and our business is what is truly important to me. And my hope is that in some small way, I've been able to do that for you today. So again, this is Jody Maley with the Heart Centered Entrepreneur Series here in beautiful BC, Canada. Truly have a great and inspired rest of your day. The link to the quiz will be attached below. And please like, follow, and share this podcast if it inspired you 